I'm James Kane. And I'm Cassandra Teese. And welcome to the Tony Club. Where we read and re-examine the Tony Award winners for Best Play and Best Musical year by year. So we're almost out of the 1950s. We've Woo! almost completed this arduous decade 1959. of theatre. 1959. Oh, I didn't realise. We're, we're, we're through we're, the dark patches. Yeah, in the desert and then all of a sudden the last year just creeps up on you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the 1950s and, has been a time for us. Yeah, and we're really rounding it off with a big banger. Oh yeah, yeah, but let's do some reflections on what we've had. <laughs> we've had some, we've had some sailors. We've had some fantastic musicals, actually. Some very good musicals. That's true. Some bad musicals also. Um, but definitely not a bad era for musicals, though. This year is definitely um, mm. not in that same vein. Um, oh, this, oh, this current yeah. year, yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of sailors, like you were saying. Yeah, I was thinking about the play. So, like, great musicals. Where do we land with plays? A lot of dry plays. Yeah, a lot of very dry plays. Nineteen fifties. We've got a lot of historical things a lot almost everything has been set in the period i'm thinking back like only crucible maybe made the real impact with yeah me. i mean Cruci- crucible is as a know, as a big one but i'm trying to I'm think i'm just saying that's also a period piece oh no totally i'm <laughs> just about the 1950s they didn't want to write about the 1950s no 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 couldn't possibly no um there must have been a couple of others there that made an impact anyway uh we'll look back and review our records but for today we are talking about the 13th tony awards yes that took place at the waldorf astoria grand ballroom on the april the 12th which is not any time soon so uh yep uh james just reading that from the wikipedia page well i like giving you facts giving you the hard hard facts i mean it doesn't look like this was a particularly you know interesting ceremony everything seems to have proceeded as planned uh, yeah um the main sort of, of the things year. to say that have jumped out at us are a very thin categories yeah uh, particularly in musical theater this year we have three nominees in our best musical category and only two nominees for leading actor leading actress featured actor and featured actress which is pretty weak i've got to say um yeah it's almost unheard it's, of we it's haven't pretty seen bad that. this is the weakest categories i think that we've had in any of the tony awards um in terms of just pure numbers tony's the tony people whoever i don't know what they call the american theater wing (laughs) um sat there and were like yeah nobody really deserves our praise and love this year yeah Um, i I wonder if there were other there must have been other musicals well we know that goldilocks and whoop up existed because they're (laughs) down here in featured actress but they just um, couldn't secure the the best they were not good enough musical musical. so should we talk through what did get nommed and what yeah so for best play first of all Mm. uh one we're going to discuss today is jb by archibald mcleish um and that has gone up against yeah it's got four other competitors in the category fairly healthy so we have a touch of the poet by eugene o'neill epitaph for george dylan by john osborne and anthony creighton john osborne uh was out last last year for uh, look back in anger Mm. um didn't get it and eugene obviously we have looked at his work we have looked at his work in the past i don't think that a touch of the poet is one of his most well known no um there's something called the disenchanted by bud schulberg and harvey brecht that one does not have a wikipedia page so that's really all we can say about it um and then there's the visit by frederick durenmatt um which is uh, i only know the musical adaptation which came later but it's quite an interesting plot it's kind of epic theater style yeah we've Um, just looked into him a little bit um yeah, I'd be interested to read that one, actually, probably when we've completed this giant yeah. exercise. One of his other works, uh, The Physicists, is a little bit more well-known. Mm. Um, we, yeah. It came up a little bit in our university uh, trials. Yeah. But we are talking about... Is there anything else on, you want to say on this? Nah. nah. I mean, yeah, should we talk about JB? JB! All right. 
JB is missing one letter, and it's O, because it's based on Job. It is. Uh, it's a play in verse, mm. and it is an adaptation of the story of Job from the Bible, mm-hmm. um, which, well, would you say it's one of the like kind of mid-known Bible stories? Like, I feel like it's well-known among like Christians, yeah. but it's probably not one of the ones that's immediately well-known to everybody. I, I assumed that it was known in relatively mm. large circles of pop culture. But you culture, and I also both grew up like with sort of up Christian, you know, yeah. Christian households, so yeah. had more of an exposure to stuff. I mean, yeah, as far as other adaptations of Job, like in the more mainstream, there's just A Serious Man by the Cohen brothers that I can think of off the top of my head. There must mm. be more, but... there's. I saw a play um, a couple of years back... I, can't remember what it's called it had it's about yeah basically it, it's the story of job but it's adapted into like a bilingual american sign language and english play mm. it's about a deaf guy who like through various different tragedies a whole lot of things happen to him but he also loses his hands so he can't do sign language anymore oh wow um it's like a whole yeah bad things happen to this poor guy um you, you quite like that one eh? was it quite good oh uh, no it was fine oh okay it was, yeah, it wasn't one of my favourite things I saw. I thought some Which of the is, actors were quite good. That's quite an accurate description of uh, JB. Yeah, so this version of Job, um, it's a play in verse, so that's important to note from the start. Hmm. Um, we've not had a great history of plays in verse in Tony Club Two years in the past. Elliot. We had the T.S. Eliot what was that one called? Cocktail, party. cocktail Party. Not one of our favourites. Um, had some nice bits, but overall a little bit of a slog. Yeah. Um, didn't really know what it was yeah. saying. I feel like I enjoyed JB more than that. Absolutely. Um, should we talk a little bit more about the adaptation and the plot first before we get into how we... Yeah. yeah. So um, it's set in a circus, um, a kind of... Was it dilapidated kind of circus? Um, I don't really or remember. Or just it's not just, it's a circus. operating uh, at the current time. Um, and uh, basically two, two characters kind of rock up called Mr. Zeus and Nichols. Yeah, Mr. Zeus is kind of like an old retired actor that's fallen on hard times. And Nichols is like, he's like a popcorn salesman, I think. He's got a whole yeah. lot of popcorn. He's described stuff, as gaunt, sallow, sardonic kid in tight trousers and a black sweater with a white circus vendor's jacket and a tray of popcorn. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and so they get together to do this kind of ritual that apparently they've done before. Yeah, with a... Um, they kind of complain about it. You're not quite sure what's uh, what the ritual is, and then they pull out these these masks, mm. um, which is what are they described as? God mask and devil mask. It's not devil. What are they? What are they called? Uh. Um, they pull out two masks that represent heaven and uh, um, God and the devil. Yeah, and they sort of realize that they sort of meet up to perform this this performance of the story of Job where they find a person to play Job and then Mr. Zeus plays God and Nichols plays the devil, which you could probably guess from their names. Yeah. Though <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Nichols is, uh, Nichols is surprised that he's going to be playing the devil. He thinks he was going to play Job. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't even... We're not even introduced to Job until the play actually starts. They start Yeah, there's quite a lines. fairly long sort of like uh, framing sort of section at the beginning. But the idea of Job even being an actor or a person isn't really... I think it's implied that he's just a guy, right. and they're the two sort of actor uh, people. Operator puppeteers, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they find this guy, JB, mm-hmm. and he... He has a family and some kids. family. His wife, Sarah, has like five children, six children, a lot of children. Yeah, some of them are They've at the got, war and 
Um, They've all got, like, you know, 50s names. Yeah. <laughs> like, every child in any of the plays that is always like, Jimmy, Timmy, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes, Billy. you know, the subsequent narrative, you know, oh, no, Jimmy, Tommy, yeah. <laughs> where um, are you? So, yeah, and there, he's a he's a godly man, obviously, and then the, the, yeah, the story of Job plays out as expected, which is that... God is like, okay, guess what? Job is so faithful to me. He's going to be faithful no matter what happens to him. He's never going to disrespect God. He's going, never going to curse me. And you can do whatever you want, Satan. Go and have fun. And so then the devil, like... Nichols is convinced, like, haha, no, he will change. He will change. Mm. And so he, like, kills off all the children in various ways. Um, well, it's God killing off the children. I, no, I think... In the like a nice understanding of the thing is it's not God doing it, it's that God gives Satan full control of it and then he does it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think that's what happens in here as well. Right. As he's like, oh, I give a little oh, in your Oh, yeah, hands. no, that's the framing, eh? Yeah. Okay, cool. But, but I think I, that's the thing in the Bible as well, is it's like God's just like, ha, oh, all right, they like have a bet or something. And I'm just right. again like, that's, I mean, there's a whole like <laughs> a whole theological stuff you could talk about, like, why are you doing that with a random person's life, God? That seems like a pretty careless way to treat yeah. people. But I guess um, um, uh, why I, I thought it was God is the, the argument always comes back to like, yeah, should we be um, putting our faith in, in God? Is, yeah. is this just? What is, is this God's will? Um, yeah. But yeah, everything bad that could happen happens. So his children all get killed in various ways. He gets like leprosy. His mm-hmm. business burns down, so he loses all his money. His wife is then burned. his wife not killed in this version. Um, yeah, she. I think she just leaves him um, because she's angry that he's so right. like um, interested in staying with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and frustrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Then so he's left sort of to nothing. And then at this point, there's this random group of old women that come in. I still don't exactly know what their well, what, part of the story was. This is what I wanted to talk about a little mm. bit with. Um, they do these slight little uh, subversions on the story. So mm. um, uh, previously also with Mr. Zeus and um, Nichols is they have these kind of commentaries of like, oh, do you think he's going to do this? Uh, as well as like playing out the, the kind of part. There's slightly more modern uh, commentaries on on job the story of job uh which is a little bit more tantalizing and interesting than just a normal kind of adaptation mm, uh to, yeah. you know there's, uh, there's a bit of purple prose in there with the verse a lot of purple prose in the verse yeah um yeah the which old lady characters i don't quite lovely. understand yeah they they, um, they kind of come in as, as a big kind of hubbub and they're homeless and um yeah and they kind of just sort of watch what's going on and comment but they don't really say that much they eventually um, like job goes with them um, and gets like their support or shelter, right? Isn't that right? Um, I think at one point maybe. I mean, and because I was like, oh, is uh, that the final justification for like why they're there? Yeah, they say like you're cold, come down with the rest of us. Um, yeah, we'll keep you warm. But that's just at the very end of, of Act, Act one. one. Also, this is this one of these things where like Act two, like two act plays are clearly so like necessary on Broadway at this era. The idea of not having an intermission is like unthinkable. So they have this two act play, which does not need to be two acts at all. Yeah, it is like Act one is a good, you know. Hour minute, long, fifty hour minutes minute. long, and then Act Two is like fifteen, twenty. Yeah, like, it's tiny. Just, um, just make it all one act. And, I'd be so frustrated you know. coming back from the act break. To that. Yeah, and it's like this whole thing is Have Act One is basically like Job gets to his lowest point, and then Act Two, um, yeah, I guess God wins. Yeah, um, and then his wife comes back to him, and his leprosy is yeah. Gone. The kids don't come back though. Kids are still dead. 
I mean, accurate to the original Job story in which his family just stated, the narrative. he just gets new family. Yeah, their way of excusing <laughs> that. It's like, well, they'll make new kids. And I was like, it's not Still exactly gross. the same it's thing. Kind of... <laughs> you know? uh, there's yeah. also, they try and do like a double bluff where it's like, maybe this time, you know, Job won't see God again. Maybe he won't, you know, um, be willing to accept God again. And it's like, no, no, lo and behold, he... Uh, he does. He accepts. Um, yeah, so... Our thoughts on this play, I mean, I've, I was disappointed in the fact that this play doesn't really interrogate the story of Job that much. It's, yeah. It plays Just it plays fairly it straight, yeah. um, which becomes less interesting because it's not a story that's actually that interesting in itself as a Bible story. It's just kind of like, this guy has bad stuff happen, but in the end, he stays true and then God fixes it all. It's mostly interesting because it's like, this is a screwed up story. Um, and it's, yeah, like including it in the Bible then makes you question, like, what is God's motivation of doing this to a person? Like, why would God, does this how, you know, deities treat humans and yeah. mortals? Like, is this, is this fair? Is this like a, a, the right thing for God to do? And if God has done something that's unjust, then like, what does that make God? And I don't think this plank, like, does, it doesn't really... No, you're right. It doesn't, that, really you know? it doesn't question it. it. And it's like, yeah, if you're going to do Job, I don't know, this isn't just my, because I have thoughts about it. <laughs> and I'm just like, if I was going to adapt this story, then I'd want to use my adaptation to kind of question the actual story that it's based on, because I think it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. I also see the idea that, you know, we're living in a world that, that has no God and just cruel things happen yeah. because things just happen. Hmm. But um, obviously, they're not as likely to do something like that in the 50s yeah so then i guess yeah the quick my i guess i have questions from for archibald if he's here if yeah he's around if he's archie. A listener. archie why uh what was your why did what was the impetus for writing this i guess was it a uh a, a, a cash grab is christian stories no. popular no i mean i don't think christian stories were more popular than other stories we haven't really seen, really seen any of them <laughs> yeah there's like yeah, faith, let me tell you the story of faith-based noah stories fucking um, big budget yeah. um yeah i it's uh i was disappointed too um i find this story quite kind of um yeah i i of the bible stories uh it's a little bit more interesting than 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 others because of that kind of uh extreme kind of uh yeah cruelty that's uh acted and uh, upon someone and depicted um uh but it has to be yeah saying something with it you need to be interrogating it or critiquing it in some way shape or form uh and this was just kind of telling out the story um and by the end of it the only like morsels that i could grab to was like oh that was a nice line or oh that this like there's a lot of like characterization that you can do with some of the other side characters like the old woman uh we were doing some fun silly voices and yeah, like so nickels <laughs> is like uh the the key kind of Role. Nichols um, has some good lines as well. Like there are occasional lines in there where you're like, "Oh, actually, you're gonna explore this. You're gonna explore this thing." And then like it doesn't because he's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is such a shame because it's like I mean, fucking like Paradise Lost like explored the idea that Satan is a sympathetic character. Mm. Like you're allowed to dig into that and think about other other you know points of view, especially in a situation or a story like this. Mm. Um, but uh, talking of Nichols and 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 him kind of being the winning kind of role christopher Plummer um played the role and did he win was it no Kevin's? no he was nominated for leading nominated. actor but he did not win jason robards jr won out or the disenchanted and which I think is that one that we has been lost to time so i mean i'm sure he was very good yeah <laughs> robards was in the um 
the adaptation of Long Day's Journey into Night that we saw. Oh, the, that's right. The film of, yeah. I remember that. Um, um, we should yeah. also mention the director of the show, Ilya Kazan, who um, we've mm. talked about in the past. Uh, very famous uh, director, and then also became quite infamous for other reasons for the Blacklist, um, yeah. with naming a lot of a lot of people. Which is about this time, or is that a bit later? Um, oh God, uh, history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, 1952. Yeah, so I this, thought it was earlier. This is, yeah. post, this is post his testimony at the House of Un-American Activities Committee. Yeah, so he's still able to be directing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because, you know, right. he hadn't been blacklisted. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, unlike many other people. Hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, he is uh, the director of this. I think it would have been an interesting show to direct. Um uh, yeah, and see how the choices that they make with it, and also the scenic design would have been pretty interesting to look at. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um, I enjoyed it more than stuff like uh, what we talked about the um, cocktail party, cocktail party, and that last one um, with uh, uh, if you um, quite the right. short, yeah, which is nice. It's quite short. There's some nice <laughs> lines. It's yeah, but it doesn't yeah. hold together in any way. It's it's not a play that I think is revived very often, and you can kind of see why. No, except this um, um, our book that we got out from yeah we got the, it from the Toifakari Library, the Nola Miller, um, has our key resource for this whole podcast all the way through it. It's from the it's got a stamp, the Campion Collection, and uh, they must have done a production. There must of have it. been some sort of drama school production at some point because it's been heavily edited in pencil. Yeah. Um, so they, yeah, and they, interested. And the thing is, they just like yeah, culled down the poetry, and I was like, if there were like there's three uh there's a three old women enter two old women enter <laughs> yeah what were those there were those other characters that we talked about that were like the there's the people that come and give bad news there's one or two of them every time there's like yeah the... bildad zofa and oh that's the three Lifas. comforters that come up at one yeah point, and, and the comforters like there is no god don't worry about it Ooh. yeah um, um and then jb goes no how dare you um say these things yeah uh so, do you think JB, a play in verse by Archibald MacLeish, Cassandra Teese, deserves to be in the Tony Club treasury? It does, it, this is not a Tony treasury play, no. I have to say. Um, yeah, it's not wholly without merit. Like, I think in terms of verse adaptations of Job that are played straight, like, it's fine. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's readable, yeah. It's, been, it's readable. There are, yeah, some of the poetry is actually, it, it gets a bit purple, but some of it's quite nice. Mm. Um but it's not a sort of thing that I'd be super interested in seeing unless we had a really fascinating take on it. Yeah. I, I would just watch A Serious Man any other day of the week. Have you seen that one yet? <laughs> I haven't seen it. Oh, we got it. Okay, we gotta. we'll watch that sometime. And we're going to watch that on our break. So uh, this interval might be a little bit longer. But after that, we'll be right back. I'm a serious man. I know that. So if I've got it wrong, what do so I... So simple. See... Marshak. I know. I want to see Marshak. I want to see Marshak. I fucked your wife, Larry. I seriously fucked her. That's what's going on. See Marshak! God, what a fascinating uh, study. And I really like the, the filming and the framing that the yeah. Coens do. It's I just want to a... say, after, I mean, obviously we just watched that film, so it's probably not fresh in your mind anymore. Yeah. But you didn't actually vote if JB goes in Tony Treasury or not. Oh, that's true. Hell no. No, no, no. Um... Oh. Yeah. Right. 
So now we are talking about best musical. Yes. For 1959. Our thinnest category ever. <laughs> our best musical was Redhead. And no Redhead recognition. Is by Albert Haig and Dorothy Fields with her brother Herbert. <laughs> what? It hasn't even given his last name. I assume Herbert Fields. <laughs> um, along with Sidney Sheldon and David Shaw. I think we're seeing something of like a uh, musical by committee here. The yeah. fact that we've got one, two, three, four, five creatives involved in the book libretto music and lyrics. Um, that's, I think, probably, you know, a bad sign. Having yeah. that many people involved in the creation of your work. Um, that's shocking. So, this was the winner of, you know, the weakest musical category by far we've seen here on Tony Club. Mm. Um, its only other two competitions in Best Musical were Flower Drum Song and La Plume de Ma Tante. Um, the- La Plume de Ma Tante, I don't know anything about. I had a look at it on its Wikipedia page and it's just was a sketch, like sort of skit thing, like right. a little sl- small mini scenes, comedic. Yeah. And Flower Drum Song is one of those like Orientalist um, yeah, the only way that I recognised it was that it had been remade by David Henry Huang. Yeah, David Henry Huang did a rewrite in the last year, fifteen years ago or so far, um, so long ago. Um, as Rogers and Hammerstein. Oh. Yeah, but um, apparently even the rewrite wasn't that good. Mm. So it's one of those, one of those ones where people still listen to the songs of it occasionally, but it hasn't really survived that much as a show because it's this a bit so offensive to Asian Americans. Um, so. Um, those two being as they were, Redhead was the Took clear and obvious winner. Of course. Um, so let's have a little bit of chat about Redhead. Yeah. So what is uh, it about? So and we gotta, how did we experience this musical? We have to pull up our synopsis because this our way of experiencing yeah. was a little bit more unorthodox this yes. time around. Um, so in the past, as you know, our general method for reading and experiencing the plays is that we read them out loud. Mm. And for musicals, we read them out loud. And then when we get to a song, we will play the original cast recording um and listen to that and you know mostly that's worked there have been occasions where we haven't been able to find the libretto for the play so we've watched a film adaptation so like pajama game yeah stuff like that um this one no film adaptation and no libretto exists that has been published outside of um actually buying the rights to do the show from the look of it mm. uh, had a look on like world cat and there is no library copy of redhead around yeah. in our country um or i think at all so that was a bit of a problem. Um, I actually, when I searched Redhead Musical, it came up on a blog post saying Lost Musicals, which I think is a really like great start. Yeah. <laughs> and so the way that we did experience it, admittedly, um, we might have done it in the wrong order, or I might have done it in mm, the wrong so order. So we listened to the soundtrack. Yeah. Which, and the soundtrack gives the impression that it's this light, bubbly, kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, stereotypical... Um, yeah, it's it's what you think of vaguely music hall esque, but in a kind of parody of music hall. Not even a parody of music hall, like what Americans think British music hall sounds like. Yeah, uh. <laughs> very very nondescript kind of music. Nothing yeah. nothing really like lands like some of the we so like last last time we objected to like Music Man's like oh some of these songs not sure if they completely work or this guy can't quite sing. But it has a but flavor to it, you know, them. like things songs like You Got Trouble, which is still probably the best yeah, song. Yeah, the thing off the top of my head. That's remember it. You know, yeah, like you can you got remember trouble. that song. It's got like a, a cadence to it. Um, any of the songs with Redhead, which we've listened to much more recently, I cannot pull to the top of my mind. No. This is one of the few musicals actually that we've covered on here that have no standout single that has remained popular yeah. like even some of the ones that have been less popular have had like one standout song not here mm. um 
so yeah we read listen to the music and then we read the synopsis on mti the musical theater international um Sh- website which Sh- is the licensing place should we just read through it um like, let's not read it in, straight but let's just explain what happens so um it's batshit for a start so it's prepare yourselves yep. for that um so we're set in back in the jack the ripper days mm-hmm. um because that's the vague kind of premise that they're riffing off but in a but comedic way barely and also yeah comedically yeah. what what, what oh, the great start okay yeah, so it's a great start you know, it's a good it's a murdered. comedy about murdering women great um so we start out with an actress getting choked to death with a scarf yeah um, and that's the the sort of that's what we start with it's the beginning like thing and then we and he has the, a, a bright red yes, hair he's got and beard, red hair and beard which makes him easily identifiable apparently. yeah um, and then we go to the Simpson Sisters Wax Museum, which is one of the key locations. They've just made a wax version of this murder that they're going to display to the world because everybody loves a good murder. Um, yeah, which I, I guess is actually It's pretty accurate, actually, yeah. for that <laughs> time period. It's probably it. true. Ooh, exciting. Um, yeah, so everybody's coming to see it. Um, and then... They the, sing about the Simpson Sisters. Um, yeah, and so we've got these two women that run it that are old and their niece, Essie, who is our lead character, um, um, and Essie is unmarried at 29, mm. and they're like, oh, she's going to be an old maid like us. And oh, this no. was being played by Gwen Verdon, who was previously in um, Damn Yankees. Yes. So we were quite excited by the possibility of like, oh, hey, you know, Fosse you know, and Verdon. Verdon. Bob Fosse's directing and choreographing. It's a whole... You know, yeah. surely her role will be a bit of fun. Uh, yeah. So we start out, she's bemoaning the fact that she's never getting married, um, and then a whole lot of these um, people from the like place where the actress used to work, she used to work in this show, mm. and so the strong man from like a circus strong man guy, Tom comes along, Tom, and a comedian called George. Tom Baxter, yeah, and George. Yeah, and his, his there's friend. another guy, Howard, who's think is the producer. I don't remember what he does. He's Howard just like yeah commissions. He, he don't do that much. He, he does. He like puts her on a show songs. later on. Yeah. Um, and so they have this. Um, they they. Pull out a, a, a plinth with a, a, a faceless um, uh, uh, face. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there's so a blank wax, wax. The wax thing that they've made of the murder is like this big display of the girl getting murdered and there's no face yeah, on the murderer faceless, because yeah. they don't know what he looks like. And um, strangely enough, Tom, who was a friend of the actress that got murdered, is like, this is real bad taste. You can yeah, take it fucking down. Fucking offensive this as hell. so bad. Um, and for some reason, as he's sa- he's protesting and saying we've got to get rid of this display, Essie sees him and falls in love with him immediately. Yeah. Um, and she decides that the best way that she could attract this strongman Tom is to pretend that she's also just escaped from this murderer. So yeah. that she'll get his sympathy. Yeah. Um, so... Oh, before that, there's a little kerfuffle and then there's something around the purple scarf being taken. Oh, which yeah. Which doesn't really go, anywhere. Doesn't really go anywhere. And this is just, important. I just want to highlight the stuff of like, the, the, we're reading the synopsis and I'm like, so where does that, where does that go? No? Oh, no, nowhere? it doesn't come okay, back. Sweet. A lot of stuff okay. doesn't come back. Um, so there'll be many of these instances. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Essie and Tom. Um, so Tom's hand gets... His, yeah, so she bandages him up and is like, oh, um, I'll tell you this big sob story. I was almost murdered and, oh, my life is so hard. She um, just makes up all of this stuff because um, she she realizes that Tom will pity. She's like, oh, I can get his interest if he pities me. So yeah. she just makes up all this crap. Yeah. Um, and then she ends up, she fakes 
the like she fakes the murder. She hooks up with Auntie with Sarah. With one of her aunts. And she's like, um, oh yes, oh. so that so that she can convince Tom that her life's in danger again. Yeah. Um. So she fakes this attempted murder of herself, and her other aunt doesn't know. Yeah. And she comes in and says like, okay, you have to disguise yourself as a man for safety reasons. Which goes nowhere. nowhere. She's disguised as a man for a bit and she sings a song about being disguised as a man and then it doesn't it never comes back. Yeah. Um and so same being like, oh yes, uh, that's a little little Shakespeare reference or and something. And then like Oh, uh, the thing is, so Tom and George are like, Oh, you've seen the murderer and she's like, Of course I've seen the murderer. I was almost killed by him. And they're like, Great, you can tell us what he looks like so we can find him. And she's like, oh, no, the, I don't know how to do that. And we, where's that line that we, we that oh, it's I read not, before? Oh, we're not even at that point Oh, yet. okay. There's, there's so, something yeah, coming up. Like, oh, we oh. should also mention, just at the start of this play, uh, she's like, by the way, I'm clairvoyant. Yeah, and you're, like, oh, you're like, okay. Oh, sweet, sweet, <laughs> sweet ass. Not cool. sure if that's actually um, a thing. She's like, but, but she just talked to aunts. like, I'm clairvoyant. I've seen the man I'm going to marry. Um, yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, wow. Right, I sure. wonder if that's going to um, come up later on. Yeah, so anyway, she then goes to the show, and Howard, the producer, or some, for some reason, she has to be in the show. Yeah. I don't remember why. Um, it's silly. And then she is transformed into a beautiful showgirl, and then this other guy, Sir Charles, comes in, and he's the ex fiance of the girl of who was murdered. Ruth who got killed, yeah. Um, and he's got a red hair and a red beard. Oh. Um, so the audience is like, ah, oh, it's the killer. Um, and then uh, I don't think everyone is like that. He's kind of a well-regarded. No, no, just the audience, person. like oh, the, the, oh. the audience that are watching Redhead. Oh, okay. okay. Not the in-world oh, audience. We the audience, right? We the audience. Um, and but yeah, nobody nobody knows because nobody knows that the killer has got red hair. Mm. Um, there's so, some love songs. There's some love songs. Tom's like, I'm definitely not in love with Essie. Oh, but secretly I am falling in love with her. Oh, um, thunk. And the 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 two aunts do a song about being an old maid and give try to give Essie advice for her first date that is sort of opposite. Yeah. And I'm like, this could have been cute, but it's just kind of falls flat. Um, anyway, Tom and Essie decide they're in love and George is like, okay, you've got to, you've got to work out. Um, you got to tell me who the murderer is. And Essie's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I faked the murder. Uh, it's just so that I could get close to Tom. And then, yeah, um, yeah. George is like, oh, it's too bad you're not clairvoyant. Then you could know <laughs> who was She's like, well, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, then she just has a vision. Um, she can just conjure them up, apparently, on demand. And uh, I'm like, why are you working in the waxworks when you're a clairvoyant that could do visions on command? Yeah, you should be. Um, why are you really wealthy? And, like, this is set, like, when's this set? Yeah. That- yeah, like she could be, back yeah, be this making like a huge amount of money. Yeah. This is like back at the time when they were really into psychics. Exactly. Um, but anyway, some she, yeah, uh, she has a vision and sees the red-headed man. Um, and it's Sir Charles. Oh, or at least a man that looks like him with oh. red hair and red beard. Oh, oh. Um, so, yeah, then she does the show for some reason. Um, and she's so, out in the show, but then she sees Sir Charles, who looks like the man in her vision, in the crowd, and yeah. she's really worried. And she goes, um, runs away, or whatever. The show goes terribly. Um, oh, I'm le- bleeding into Act Two, aren't I? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, end of Act One, she sees the, the Sir Charles, and she reveals to Tom that she faked this, this that her attempted murder. And Tom's like, um, "What the fuck? Like, I'm out." What? That's ridiculous. I can't believe you tricked me. 
Um, and she's like, no, it's all for love. And then at the end of Act One, um, Sir Charles walks up to her and he says, hello, pretty, or something. And he doesn't say that, but like, we don't know. He, I mean, he, he might. Her. We haven't seen the, the full dialogue. Yeah. We only know the plot. It's meant to be dun dun dun, <laughs> and the curtain falls. Um, so, yeah, Act Two begins with Tom trying to go on a date with a different girl to prove he's over Essie. Um, but. Apparently, it's called I'm back in circulation. I'm back in circulation. Fuck. And it gets something in the Ooh, song. He's like, just friends. like the New York Times, I am back, back in, in circulation. circulation. Um, anyway, so that's happening with him. Meanwhile, Sir Charles and Essie, um, he's like, oh, we should go to my place so that you can talk because he wants to either yeah. kill her or discover something about the killer. Yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, he's the killer. Oh my God. Um, so she. Find two walkers. like sex workers or street. I feel like that's usually the euphemism right. street walkers is. Yeah. Um, and May and Tilly. Bar. And May and Tilly. Uh, they go to a bar called the Green Dragon, her. which is, uh, you know, nice little Lord of the Rings Lord reference, of the Rings reference in, the fu- nice. in the past and the future, you know? Um, yeah. So they go to a bar and then they just do like a little drinking song because. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then she. They cause a fight. And they're going to get arrested by the police, yeah, but she's Charles con- bails her out or something. Well, she's convinced she's going to get killed by Charles. And then, um, yeah, Charles is like, no, 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 I've, I'm on top of this. And so she bites a policeman's hand in order to get arrested. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she's in jail. Um, the aunts come by and are like, oh, we'll have to, we want to get you free. Um, and George, the comedian, comes by and is like, ah, you know what we need to do? The way that you can get Tom back somehow is to prove that Sir Charles is the murderer. I don't see how that makes sense logically. She still lied. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, he's, right. she's coming off as a duplicitous person. It's like, no, yeah. I, I don't want you in my life. Um, so her plan is that she's going to get out of jail uh, somehow. The pickpocket tango? They're gonna, is that one oh, of the yeah, She has to distract the guards. She can steal the cell keys and break out. Go oh. to the waxworks. Get... The, the, the this wax is, this head is of Chicago the before Chicago that's was made a thing. Of, the, 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 the wax head of the murderer with red hair, put it onto the uh, wax right. thing, and then telephone to Charles and say to meet her there. And then when he sees the wax sculpture, he'll be so, like, uh It's the old, so the old Hamlet, you know, murder of Gonzago. Like, yeah, ah, if I like, put the thing in front of them, then they'll, they'll reveal their guilt. And he'll reveal his guilt. And we'll have Tom waiting there so that he can save Essie in case Sir Charles tries to kill him. Yeah. Kill her. Um, is, yeah, so, right. anyway. Tom like, why would George, you put yourself in danger that much of like, oh, yeah, Tom will be here look, to just rescue me. But. The main thing is, a whole lot of complicated stuff happens. She tries to follow this plan, but then she realizes that it's George. Who, How do we learn that it's George? Uh, she Essie hears someone whistling in the distance. It's the same tune that the girl in the prologue was whistling just prior to her murder. She calls to ask who is there, and George responds, it is only him. It's only me. But then he walks into the light, and we see that he's disguised himself as Sir Charles. <laughs> Why? There is absolutely no reason for him to disguise himself as Sir Charles at this time. He's just trying to pin it on... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the motivation but, to pin it on Sir Charles, that checks out. But, like, yeah, right now... But right now, there is no reason for him to be using that disguise again. But anyway, the whole thing is that he was trying to... to murder ruth for some reason um and wanted to frame sir charles for it yeah uh and so now he's gonna finish finish his mission by killing sir charles george Um, wraps a scarf around essie's neck but but, she stamps her foot three times no one's there um sir charles then comes in and is confused as hell because that's all happening and there is a wacky chase scene that happens because tom comes in as well 
the, the aunts come in and everybody runs around and then there's, there's one guy there's that's dressed wacky... as another guy what? what and there is a wacky chase music that's accompanying this whole thing um and at the end george is captured and essie and tom are reunited forever because now they're back in love of course um yeah so, so it's absolutely a ridiculous plot yeah um, and just, I don't know if any of this plot telling made sense or was interesting to listen to. I think it was interesting. <laughs> I think it's batshit, and then hearing it recounted is just nuts. It's it's very strange. And it's based on this this premise of like strangling plus a bit of a mad cat time. Yeah, the the thing with the listening to the music and reading the synopsis of this is that it's fairly dark in terms of what its actual content is. There's a murderer on the loose and he tries to kill the main character. Yeah. Like And that's fine. There could be on stage, there's, there's great dark like musicals out but there. But none of the like music reflects that tone at all. The music is very much something you'd be expecting from, you know, mm. the music man style sort of it's very light comedy. There are no real like hard stakes except <laughs> yeah. you know, disliking each other or you know, getting chased out of town. Honestly, like I didn't a... <laughs> really know the synopsis of this musical before I heard the music. And so I was hearing it and I was like, and you were just being like, yeah, so there's this murder going on, there's strangling. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they sound so chipper and in love. and Yeah. Ugh. And it's, I'm also, I have a lot of issues with the lead character who is just absolutely not sympathetic at all. She yeah. just falls in love with this guy and then concocts various schemes to trick him mm. into falling in love with her. Um, and yeah, her, all of her reasoning for wanting to catch this murderer, none of it is in an altruistic level or for justice. It's all purely just, just so that she can get guy. this guy back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so admittedly, we don't know the dialogue. So, you know, it's very unlikely that the dialogue is able to save it. But, you know, there are some characters that are, um, you know, uh, charming in their mischievousness, but none of this reads, uh, yeah, in, in her actions or in her music. She is just yeah. purely selfish and self-motivated. Yeah. This was sort of intended as like a star vehicle for Gwen Verdon. Right. Um, and obviously she's a lead character, but the th- a strange thing about it is that in terms of its plot, it doesn't actually work very well as a star vehicle for yeah. a person who's mainly a dancer. Um, yeah, true. You know, she's... I mean, I guess that's why they have like the... The, she's a comedian as well. Like, she's funny. The dance. Oh, like she gets up on stage and like, it just seems like set pieces to like, you know, for the songs. Like yeah, to just get to areas where the, they her get involvement to be in a bar be, and being stuff, in the or, show and things like that. It, it's so, it, it plot wise, it doesn't really make sense. It's such a twist, hmm. you know, it, in ter- not in terms of, oh, what a great twist, but in terms of a t- very twisted logic. And it's very strained yeah. in terms of actually trying to work out how we can get this waxwork girl to suddenly be in the show for some reason. Yeah, which just speaks like, to too many cooks in the kitchen. It's too many cooks in the kitchen. It's too many plot threads. And it's just, they're trying to serve so many different things. They're trying to be like, oh, let's do this classic, you know, comedy. Let's do this, you know, musical era murder mystery. Why don't we chuck and Jack the Ripper into it as well? Yeah, let's like, do this Gwen Verdon star vehicle and also Bob Fosse's choreoing so we better make sure there's lots of options for <laughs> choreography and yeah. interesting dance sequences in it. Mm. Um, it just feels so higgledy-piggledy. It's such a complete mishmash of elements that do not work next to each other. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, and with all that, you would hope that at least there would be some exciting and bold gems in the soundtrack, but it's so bland. Yeah. It's probably the blandest soundtrack that we've listened to for Tony Club, I have to say. Like, there have been stuff where there's, you know, a, quite a lot of them do the whole, like, fun patter songs, 
and then very bland ballads. Yep. But Which this is... feels like it's bland the whole way through. Yeah, it's all bland ballads. Mm. Yeah. It's well, not even bla- ballads, but it's or bland. You know, um, any kind of song. Yeah, it's patter songs are bland. It's comedy songs are bland. It's big song and dance numbers are bland. Yeah. Um, the only thing that interested me in the plot was like the revelation. I I guess I didn't know. I didn't expect it to be George. Um, but he has no real clear motivation as to why. Yeah, and what his involvement is with. With trying to get Essie to do things and because he's sort of encouraging her to be part of the show and yeah trying to like if he's if she's faked the murder yeah and he's the murderer like if she's faked an attempted murder sorry and he's the murderer he knows that it's a lie so there's no reason for him to be invested in her mm. because there's no way that she could you know yeah it's not like he knows that she's clairvoyant from the start and realizes that she has a way to yeah he could be trying to get rid of her or capitalize on this fact it doesn't like yeah i don't know as a person that's really into murder mysteries i'm just like on that level it makes absolutely no sense because there's no reason for this murderer to be so involved it just seems like he was a buddy and then halfway through they were like oh no actually it's him yeah it's like yeah but what has been his overriding yeah motivation the least likely person that guy oh and we gotta have a reason for it you know um yeah, so this is this is definitely Bad. one of those lost <laughs> musicals that is lost for a reason. Um, has it lived on? I mean, it. There have been a couple of revivals that are kind of places that do really obscure shows, doing obscure shows. Mm. Um, I think it just lasts as a curiosity piece. What's the phrase? Um, yeah, like just, curiosity pieces, right? Yeah, a curiosity piece of just like, oh look, all of these incredibly talented people like Fosse and Gwen Verdon like worked on this. Yeah. Um and, and it, it won Best Musical at the Tony Awards. But like And it's yeah, it's because it was a weak year. And it's you know, obviously it's tragic West Side Story hadn't just like waited slightly longer and come out of the because uh um but yeah, it's a really it's it's a it's a really strange musical. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that I mean. Obviously, it's hard for us to give a complete. Yeah, do you on think it potentially it's like the dialogue? Is there any possibility? So we read uh, Cursed Child. Um, half read it. Half read it, and we didn't enjoy it. And then uh, heard in in terms of on Broadway, and when it was in the West End, that it did uh, that it uh, scans a lot better when you see it in performance. Yeah, that it's a it's a production piece, not a script piece. And I've heard that from a lot of people that have seen it and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, there's a potential that this show was much better with the full dialogue and that the plot synopsis and the you yeah. know music don't really work. Uh, you don't really give a full sense of what the show is like. Should we I mean, in the future say, read reviews that, around that I was that actually saying period. that because it's quite interesting yeah. to see what was, how everything was received at the time. Though, of course, you know, taste differs. Oh, and our taste but... is obviously not for the 1950s era of play hmm. and that sort of thing. But it'd be quite interesting to see how everything was. Yeah, I'd be into that. Perhaps it's a new segment. Yeah. yeah. Um, Review Corner. What's Review it? Corner. We need a snappy name for it, though. Thoughts. Thoughts from the past. Cast, cast your mind back. Thought, roots, um, s- s- ink, re-review. Ink on the ground. Re-review. Ah, there's something there. There's something in there. Help us, fans. Yeah. Um, if you can think up anything, basically, Alec, on our Alex, Facebook. our, our <laughs> one loyal fan, yeah. uh, commented and let us know. <laughs> um, so do you have anything this... else to talk about, Redhead, before we... Just Tony Treasury. Yeah, well, this is a no from me. Pretty solid, obvious no. And it's a no for me as well. Yeah. 
Um, overall, 1959, I mean, it's... Hella disappointing It's a year. very bad year yeah. for the Tonys. And I mean, there are going to be some more dire years in the Tonys coming up. Oh, absolutely. Um, Plenty more of them. Yeah. But I think this is probably one of the first ones where we're just like, oh, this was, Broadway was having a bad season. Yeah. Are we able to look to next year's and just see what there is? Just yeah, to whet sure our appetites thing. a little bit. So the 14th, finally blaring into the 60s with Ooh. an incredible year for wow, musical theatre. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's a fine year, I'm sure, for plays, though I can already see some controversy. Whoa, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, next week we have a, well, next episode, I'm not going to mm. promise it's going to be a week's time, but we have a good old double bill to chat about in the musicals because it's our first ever tie for Best Musical, The Sound of Music and Fiorello, both of them taking out and, Gypsy, which yeah. did not win, and wow. Once Upon a Mattress, which I know other people like as well. Also for best play, we have The Miracle Worker by William Gibson, which beat out A Raisin in the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry. Yeah, a lot of thoughts on that. So apparently what everybody was doing during 1959 was working on their plays for 1960, which yeah. was going to be much better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. New me, new decade. <laughs> um, well, well, I think that's probably about it from us. Yeah. Uh, I'm James Kane. And I'm Cassandra Teese. And that was The, the Tony, Tony Club. Club.